Amen. Thanks, Gerald. It's the first time you've led a meeting in a long time. He did a great job <laughs> in a while. <laughs> Pushing our deacons into more, <laughs> always. <laughs> so thanks, Gerald, for that. Um, well, it's wonderful to be with you guys tonight again. We were away last week, um, just on a bit of a uh, weekend holiday. And uh, I had a chance to listen to, to Adam's preach. Who, who of you were here for that last week? I don't think I've ever heard anyone do a better job than what he spoke on the topic of life happens. It was amazing. So I really want to encourage you, uh, if you weren't here last week, I, I really want to encourage you, go download. It's on the Josh Chen uh, website under sermons. Just look for the date. And, and have a listen to that preach. Because I know he, he, he spoke about quite a few things in terms of impact all of us. You know, that, 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 that very real question is, you know, God, why? Why, why did you let this happen? You know? Uh, and he mentioned things like, you know, how can a, how can a good God let this happen to, to people? And uh, we go through circumstances and situations where sometimes we, we just don't have the answers. But we know that God has. So I really want to encourage you guys, go and listen to that. And uh, even the week before, uh, Basil was talking on, on the baptism of suffering. And for many of you have been uh, coming and attending. And uh, you, we, you see we've been going back to the basics and all the baptisms. And, you know, these are uncomfortable topics for us to talk about because they sort of hit right where the heart is. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to talk about all the things. You know, we're going to take that and we're going to go here and we're going forward. But these things are all part of life. And I think... It's many times it's these things, these difficult circumstances that we find ourselves in that often shipwreck us. And, and if we don't develop in our Christian and spiritual maturity, when these speed bumps come along, we sort of fall apart and, and things go haywire. And, and we don't want any of you guys to find yourself a shipwreck on some distant shore. We want all of us to, to move forward and, and grow in spiritual maturity. And, um, and so I, ha- I had this word in my heart last year. Something around what this, what this, what I want to speak about tonight, and it kind of ties into what we've been talking about. This thing of of, of life happens and and suffering and all the rest. And uh, it's amazing as I've been going through my one year Bible, I sort of came across these scriptures again. And tonight we're going to be spending quite a bit of time in the book of Numbers. That's not a maths book that you had from school. It's actually in the Old Testament in the Bible, and we're going to be <laughs> as for some of you who haven't even got there yet. Um, the book of Numbers. And uh, this thing always goes into safe mode. And then, you know, the silly thing with this computer is that you got face recognition. So the thing is, when I, when I did the face recognition, I had my glasses on. So every time I come to work, and, it, and then I say, why is this thing not recognizing me? And then I have to put my glasses, and then I can see why. Um, but then it sees me as well. But uh, yeah, so hopefully it doesn't go into sleep mode too often. But the amazing thing is that, you know, you can often read the Bible and you go through, sometimes the books of the Old Testament are, oh, there can be something to chew on. And you go like, God, like, did you actually write? Did, I mean, was this stuff even meant for us? Maybe it was just for the Jews, you know. But there's some really good stuff in there. And sometimes if you, if you push in long enough, you'll actually get to some stuff that will really start speaking to you. And, and as I was going through the book of Numbers, especially chapter 13 and 14, there was just stuff, you know, the Holy Spirit is amazing that you can read something over and over again and then something happens where there's something that the Lord wants to say to you or he wants to say to someone else or he wants to say to the congregation and suddenly these things start popping off the page. You go, oh, okay, I can see what God is trying to say. 
And so tonight I want to talk upon, if you were to give it a title, is the spirit of Caleb. Okay? Who have children named Caleb? I know. Caleb, there we go. Great name. Absolutely great name. And so I want to talk a little bit about what that is and and how does having the spirit of Caleb help us in going through life and going through maybe uh, baptisms of suffering some things that Basil, I think Basil mentioned, some of the things we've ended up suffering because of things we've done or we said or situations we've got us into. And, and then um, Adam spoke last week about sometimes suffering comes our way and it's not even any fault of our own. It's just life circumstances and there's not even a reason for it. You know, he mentioned that thing about the, the, the young boy that was born blind. And, uh, and then he said, well, well, did he sin? Well, you know, he was, he was born blind, so it couldn't have been him. And then, well, well, did his parents sin? You know, and he said, well, Jesus said it's, it's not that. It's, you know, it goes on to say, you know, so that my name will be glorified. And Adam was like, do we even want to go there? You know, do we even want to talk about stuff like that? Like, I don't always understand what happens to me and why we go through things. And, you know, in the book of um, Numbers chapter 13, we read through the Old Testament. And, you know, many of us have fond memory, memories of this book and the stories of Moses and Joshua and the promised land and the parting of the Red Sea and the water coming out of the rock and the manna falling from the sky. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 they find themselves in the wilderness. And, for, you know, from four, it was actually 430 years of slavery living in Egypt. Imagine being there for so long. Now, you can't because you probably only lived till 80, but your ancestors would have told you we've been here for 360 years or whatever timeline you were in. But they were in, in, in Egypt as slaves for 430 years. Who would agree with me? But probably after the first 100 years, you would have lost a bit of hope. You know, are we ever getting out of here? Living in nothing but misery and negativity. For the first time, the Israelites had, had, had a hope of a new future and a promised land that was ahead. God says, I'm getting you out of here. Moses leads them out. You know, they go through the Red Sea, chased by Egyptians. And they see, I mean, imagine there's some army coming from Musenberg, right? Okay? For those of you who know what's coming. And they're coming across the Cape Flats. And all of us are bunched up in Big Bay. Okay? And, and we know we need to get to Robben Island. And... I don't think, I was listening to a guy this week in Cape Talk, he said, I think he's done it 170 times, he swam to Robben Island. But I know, if you like me, there ain't no way I'm swimming to Robben Island, okay? I don't know if there's any one of you that ever have done that, but I definitely haven't. Now imagine, Basil's there in the front, he says, holds up my staff, and he's leading us, and he pounds his staff on the ground, and the, and, and the sea opens up from Bloberg to, to, to Robben Island, preach it. Huh? I mean, that's something you would remember, wouldn't you? Okay, you walk across to Robin Island on dry land, you see the great whites swimming on the sides of the walls, kids sticking their fingers in the side to tease them. No, I'm joking. But that's something you would remember, right? Okay? And so these, are, these Israelites have come into the promised land, and they've seen these miraculous things. And uh, it's not long. They find themselves in the wilderness, in the desert. And it didn't seem so bad, but due to unbelief and grumbling, they soon realized that their time in the wilderness soon went from days to weeks to months and to years, 40 years to be exact. It seemed that they'd left Egypt, but somehow Egypt was still in their hearts. And we see this in Numbers 11, 4 to 6. You can read with me. We're, gonna, we're reading a bit of scripture tonight. If we can put that up there. It says, now the rebel, maybe that was a, a word in those days for, for rebellious people or something. Um, I don't quite call my kids rebel anymore, but um, 
Yeah, so it says, now the rabble was among them, had a strong craving. Maybe those, the pregnant women amongst us will, will know what craving is all about. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing but all this manna to look at. And I think this manna was like, almost like a, a seed, okay? And I don't know if any of you have gone to Woolworths. You know they buy those seed bars? Looks like things you should give budgies, but apparently they're healthy for you. But you're not allowed to go to Woolworths, eh? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but, you know, and I bought them. I like them. Sometimes it's nice. But I couldn't imagine eating those budgie seed little things for, 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 for six months or something like that. I, I, I'd be over it. Or a week or two, even that. So we arrive on the scene. The Israelites are close to the promised land. Moses is getting sick and tired of the grumbling. So he says, oh, man, I've had enough. God, you've promised us this land and he says I'm going to go come I want to get some guys we're going to go out and check out the land okay and so many of us are familiar with the story and so numbers chapter 13 from verse 1 we'll pick up the story from there so it says the Lord spoke to Moses saying send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I'm giving to the people of Israel from each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man everyone a chief among them so Moses sent them from the wilderness to Paran according to the command of the Lord. All of them, the men who were heads of the people of Israel. So just a footnote here. This, this wasn't just like I get some guys who are brave enough who can carry a sword and a shield and send them over and let them get checked out. He actually deliberately went and chose leaders of leaders out of the tribe to say, I want you guys to go and check it out because what you come back with is going to influence us as a people. And we know that leaders carry a great responsibility, whether you're a community leader, a deacon, an elder, or a lead guy, or you have any form of, even in your working situation, if you're a leader, you know you have a responsibility in, in what you say and what you speak about and, and the, way things, in the, in the way that you see things. And so they're there for about 40, 40 days, and we'll pick it up from verse 25. It says, At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Everyone say all. Okay, all the congregation. That's all of us here today. The people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and its fruit. Now, if they just stopped there, things would have been vastly different for them. You can almost imagine the drool running down the Israelites' faces. You know, they've been eating these, these seed biscuits for, for how long? Now there's, there's milk, there's honey, and there's fruit there. And I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, it's, maybe, maybe if we mix some milk and fruit and honey we'll de- and manna, we'll have a better breakfast, Okay. So maybe that's where the first fruit salad idea came from. I don't know, but don't, don't quote me on this. But you can imagine they're looking at the stuff and they're going, oh, this sounds amazing. We want to go there. Okay? However, everyone say, however. Don't you just love those however people in your life? You know those glass half full type of people. If you're that type of person, don't raise your hand. It's not going to end well for you well, this evening. But from verse 28, it says, however. The people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. 
And besides, everyone say, and besides. Don't you love and besides type people? And besides. He says, and besides. We saw the descendants of Anak there. So imagine with me for a second. Fast forward, 2023. Okay, you're one of those guys. God's picked you. Moses says, no cell phones. They're going to track you. But you managed to sneak your cell phone in. And you're in the promised land. And you, you check this guy. Okay? I think I would be an and besides type of person if I saw that guy in front of me. Okay? So, so and besides, there's those guys that are on the other side of this, this wall or whatever it is, this river, whatever they had to cross to get into the promised land. Verse 29 says, The Amalekites dwelt in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, Parasites, whatever, dwell in the hill country. They could have been parasites too. And the, Canaanans, the, the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. Verse 30, but, and this is great, but Caleb quieted the people. said, guys, just, just calm down. Just, just relax, okay? I know you can't get that picture out of your mind, but just, just relax. Let's go up at once and occupy it. He was ready to go. For we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him. Remember there were 12 spies. We are not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people a bad report of the land they had spied out. Saying the land through which we have gone to spy out. Is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all. Everyone say all. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. As you saw. They showed their cell phones Around, So people would believe them. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. So no, you know, they thought like as they saw them, they would have seen, oh, you guys are nothing. But even in their own hearts, they saw, man, we are tiny. We are nothing. We are never going to make it. Okay, it gets worse. Numbers chapter 14. Then all, everyone say all. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people went, wept at night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, that we would have died in the land of Egypt, or would we, that we have died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, let us choose another leader to go back. So read there looking, okay, Moses, Aaron, we're done with you. We want to find someone. We want to go back. I mean, how crazy is this? They've seen all the miracles. They've seen the Atlantic Ocean part from Bloberg to Robben Island, okay? And yet there's this doubt in their, in their hearts and minds. They say, no, we want to go back to slavery. And isn't this true of us sometimes as Christians? We are delivered from our Egypt, a life of slavery to sin, a relentless and cruel master ruling over us, namely Satan. We have been miraculously set free from bondage and oppression. God leads us into a wilderness time of learning to trust and follow him. It's difficult because maybe many of us, all we've known is, is, is struggle and, and oppression and bondage and, and uh, you know, strongholds in our lives. And God leads us into a wilderness time of learning to trust him, to follow him. He allows the challenges of the wilderness to test our faith, grow our character, and strengthen our resilience. 
to hold on to the promises of the abundant life that God has for us, for now and to be filled in eternity. And this is what the Israelites promised. This is what they had. We're going to the promised land. And now, 10 people say, oh, it's not doable. Two people say, yes, come, let's go right now. And they find themselves wanting to go back to Egypt. And you know, sometimes we face struggles in our lives and we find ourselves in a wilderness experience and we go, oh man, you know, I can't do this. We want to give up. Unfortunately for some of us, we think that when we give our lives to Jesus, that everything's just going to be smooth sailing, that things are going to be fine. We say, oh, you know, we hang on to those scriptures. Jesus has gone before us, you know, and we think everyone's just going to, just going to be smooth and easy. And then we hit a couple of bumps in the road and then our spiritual lives start to fall apart. We go through disappointments, circumstances. Many of these things Adam spoke about last, last week, job loss, divorce, sickness, loved ones lost, difficult people, family crises, expectations towards God that maybe are unmet or unrealized, hurt and opposition from even other Christians. Heard from leaders and misunderstandings. We find ourselves grumbling against those who lead us. Oh, the other guy was better. He noticed me and appreciated what I did in this church. Ever been there? I have. <laughs> you know, we, we get upset with the community leader or that deacon or especially the elder or even the lead guy. We start looking to move or jump ship because it's got rough and things haven't turned out maybe the way that we expected. And even to a point where maybe for some of us who haven't been on this Christian walk for, for very long, you know, you press uh, the unfollow button and you go back and you backslide and, and uh, you're gone. Don't press the unfollow button just yet. It does get better. And maybe as the Israelites, we say to ourselves, oh, man, is this what we signed up for? It's halfway through the year. And I know for the last couple of years, through COVID and all this kind of stuff, many of us have been through really, really tough circumstances. But I want to commend to you, you guys are still here. We're still pushing through. We're still moving on. We're still pushing into the things of God. But it is difficult. We, we're not living in la-la land. You know, and I remember every time when we were younger, people say, how are you going? Oh, I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed. You know? <laughs> but you've been eating Mari biscuits for a week. Oh, I'm blessed. Um, you know, we, we do live in the reality of, of the fact that life uh, can get hard. All right, let me see where I was. So it's inevitable that life doesn't go the way we plan. Financially, spiritually, with our family, things are going to go wrong. Life is going to get tough. And if we're not careful, we can slip into a, a mindset of just absolute negativity. It's not difficult. I know I've been there myself, and I'll, I'll speak a little bit more about that later. Many of us have the tendency to complain and find problems rather than be problem solutions. Now, there's one gift that all of us have. Is we're good at finding problems. <laughs> Isn't that well? We're really good at finding problems. But maybe not so much the solutions. But we all have a cho choice in how we will respond to the things that come our way. Maybe we've got a oh, woe is me attitude or a, or a why, Lord, attitude. Or do we have a Caleb spirit that says, I know this is difficult, but God has got this. Let's go. Let's move forward. Let's get up right now. All those leaders... Of leaders, the names mentioned in the Bible, no one remembers because there's something about negative negativity that makes us avoid and forget such people. So we need a Caleb spirit. So chapter 14, verse 6, if we can go there. And we'll pick it up from there. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb. I don't know what it's like being the son of Nun, eh? 
Maybe you've got some identity crisis or something. But <laughs> Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, however you say that. I've been practicing all week. I still can't get it right. Who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to, the, to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the lands which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good, exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that floats with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us, so don't fear them. Then all the congregations said to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people. It's easy to go with the crowd, isn't it? Oh, South Africa. Oh, you know, everybody's saying, you've got to go to New Zealand. Everybody. Okay, and you know it's often we, we listen to the reports. You know, often we lend our ears to, to the majority of people and what they're saying. Oh, it's negative. Oh, this crisis, electricity crisis, never going to get better. And we can slip into negativity, and it's so easy to go down that road. If ten people are saying this and only two are saying that, well, I'm going with the ten. So you can imagine the Israelites coming back. They've all seen the same stuff, but ten of the spies say, "Guys, it's impossible." Now, if we're really honest. Who are you going to believe? We'll probably listen to the 10. Because we've been through a hard time. Maybe we've forgotten some of the promises of God for our lives. What are the things being said to you lately that are causing you to forget what God has promised you? And you're settling, you're starting listening to the 10. But Joshua and Caleb said, guys, God has given us this land. He promised it to us even before we left Egypt. We, we can get there. We can go there. It goes on in the following verses, Moses pleads with God. He says, God, please don't destroy these people right there, right here. You're a God of love. You're a God of mercy. You're, quick, you're slow to anger. You're quick to love. Will you have mercy on us? Don't wipe us all out. And so from verse 20, God promises judgment. He says, then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and not obeyed my voice, shall see the land I swore to give their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, and this is what I want to speak on tonight. This is the main crux of what I'll speak on. Listen to what he says. But my servant Caleb has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it so there was about a million people that went into the promised land now who is 20 and younger in this meeting when you, no 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 Ludwig you just had a birthday what you said we're 42 so liars will also not inherit the kingdom of God there. <laughs> so if you're 20 and younger I want you to stand up 20 and younger 20 and younger look how amazing these guys look okay so out of all of us, if we were the tribe of Israel, these are the only guys that are going into the promised land. Give them a hand. <laughs> okay. So 20 and younger were the only ones that went into the promised land. Isn't it so important how we as Christians, what we say and what we speak over young people's lives, over these young people? What are the topics of our conversations? What are the things that we are confessing over our children and over these young people? We have a massive responsibility to speak life, to speak a good report. 
Because they're also facing struggles. They're also facing mountains and giants. We know that growing up as young people in the world we're living today is massively more difficult than even when we were younger. What are we speaking over them? What are we saying? When we think of the story of the promised land, Moses, Joshua always come to mind. This man, Caleb, is very much in the background. He was thought, he, he, uh, though he was in the preceding verses, he's the one that's calling the Israelites, say, hey, come, let's go. But he was in the background. He wasn't the prominent guy. We know that Joshua was chosen to lead the people into the, into the promised land. But he was in the background. But Joshua could never have led the people of Israel into the promised land, those 20 and younger, if it wasn't for Caleb. What it said about him in this main point of my preach is this again. But my servant Caleb has a different spirit. It was this spirit or attitude that got him and Joshua into the promised land. We hear many things about Joshua who is called to lead the next generation into the promised land. But Caleb was next to him because of his relentless trust and promise the promises of God that the land was theirs for the taking. He understood that there will always be giants between us and the promises God has for us. We need to constantly remind ourselves that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. So let's look at what Caleb said. The land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good, a good land. If the Lord delights in us, we, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And the land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. And then he actually prophesies. He says, their protection is removed from them. So he already knew that God, all the strength that was perceived by the rest of Israel, God had removed the strength from all the opposition. We know when they went to, to the city of Ai and the city we sang about, I love that first song about the walls of Jericho. I mean, that was almost like tied right into what I was going to be speaking about tonight. God had removed the protection uh, from them. Some of us are going round and round in the wilderness experience because of choices and attitude towards our life circumstances and situations. We lack the faith to see beyond the challenges and do not take hold of the promises or respond in faith and obedience that will cause us to move forward. The sad thing is, is that this also affects those around us like it did Caleb. Who of our family, friends, and children are bearing the consequences of our lack of faith and obedience? So we know that Caleb, because of the unbelief of the Israelites, had to stay in the land for 40 years. He believed the promise. He was ready to go. But yet God didn't allow them in until God had decided it's time. And so for 40 years, who of you are younger than 40? You'll be proud to raise your hand. <laughs> okay? Imagine being stuck in, in, a, in a difficult place for 40 years. You're not even 40 yet. Who are 40? <laughs> okay, you're almost there. But imagine hanging around and, and being kept back by other people's unbelief for 40 years. And this, this is a real challenge to us. You know, some of us as husbands keep our families and children wandering in the wilderness of life because we have not taken hold of what God has called us to do. Be the priest of our homes. Be the spiritual leaders we need to be. Putting the kingdom first. Raising our kids in a godly way. Loving our wives and, our wives and leading them spiritually. For this reason, many of our families may never walk in the fullness God has for them because we have not taken on the giants that we need to take on even as husbands. And face them. 
And so there may be some of you guys that are, are stuck in the wilderness through, uh, through, and life through no fault of your own. Maybe it's a job where you're not recognized. It's a marriage where your partner is not serving the Lord or backsidden. It may be a desire for leadership and you're not being recognized. We need to stay faithful in these circumstances and not take matters into our own hands as the Israelites did. We cannot act out of frustration and say, well, I'm going anyway. God's promised me this and I'm going. Look what happened to the Israelites when they tried to do this in Numbers 14, 39 to 44. It says, when Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country. Remember, that's where the giants were. Now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord has promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. And nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the highest point in the hill country. Though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. And then the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived at the hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. There's a great saying, never let your ministry, leadership, talents, abilities take you where your character can't sustain you. And you know, there's the, you know when we get saved, we, we come out of Egypt, and then every single one of us will go through a wilderness experience. We don't get into the promise, so-called promised land of life, because there's certain lessons that we need to learn in the wilderness time. There's certain things that God wants to teach us. And you remember as the Israelites, there was, was a, 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 a pillar of fire by night. And what was it, a cloud? I think it was a cloud by day. And, and so God provided for them. It wasn't the best. It wasn't steak every night. But he provided for them in the, in the, in the wilderness. And all those things, he says, I'll guide you by a pillow of fire by night and a cloud by day. Why? Because they, in order to get through the unknown places in the wilderness, they had to keep their eyes fixed on the Lord. And, you know, for some of us, we're in a wilderness experience and we stay there because we're not learning the lessons that God is teaching us. We're not focusing on him. And so... Then we get frustrated. We say, well, I'm just going to do this thing anyway. Maybe it's a job. You know, I'm going to push for that promotion. I'm leaving this job. I've got a better offer. But you don't know. Do you know, there's that, I don't know if you've seen that, cart, that little clip. There's two guys in a hole. And there's diamonds on each side. And the guy's hacking away. And I saw it this week. And then he gives up. And then he, he leaves. And then the other guy comes and he hits it once. Boom. And then all the diamonds fall out and, and, and with one hit he receives, he receives the reward um, and sometimes life can be like we can be on the edge of what God has for us but because we lost our focus on the Lord or we wandering around in the wilderness through lack of faith and unbelief and disobedience that we're just on the edge but we're not getting there and so what comes of our, out of our mouths is a reflection of what's in our heart. And listen what Caleb said in Numbers 14, the New International Version says, Numbers 14 verse 7, he says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a good report according to my conscience. Okay? So the 12 spies all saw all the same things, but... Caleb came back and says, I reported according to my conscience. What does your conscience tell you? What does your convictions tell you about the situations that you're seeing and facing? 
in the English Standard Version, it says, And I brought him a word again as it was in my heart. Caleb's conviction was that God is faithful to his promises. His heart knew that God is good, no matter what the circumstances say in the natural. He served a supernatural God. Now, I know many of us have been through difficult situations. Maybe you are in a very difficult wilderness experience right now. And you know, just by way of a personal testimony, a good couple of years ago, I owned my own business. And, uh, and we, you know, you, as Christians, we're going our business. We are oh, we devoted to the Lord and we're doing the best that we can. And, and um, we're serving God and we're giving into the kingdom and we're trying to create employment for people. And, and, and it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's great to be able to provide those for people. And, um, you know, like many have been, people have been through COVID and stuff. This was a little bit before then. And there was a massive economic downturn in, in South Africa just before the World Cup. And so we were flying up until the World Cup and did these big projects and all the rest. And uh, then things just turned. And we had quite a bit of money in the bank and the business account and all the rest. And, and as much as we tried, this thing just, just went down. And I spent many nights praying, pleading, begging, promising God a whole lot of stuff. You know, because it's, it's not just you. It's, it's, it's other people's lives. You know, you feel the weight and responsibility of other people's lives. Lord, what's going to happen to them? You know, maybe they're not as fortunate or they don't have a, uh, 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 you know, the, 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 the support structure around. And our business just went under. Uh, no matter what we did, we, we couldn't turn it around. And it was very hard because we really believed that God had called us to, to do this. And there was blessing in it. And so we find ourselves in a, in a, a real financial struggle. You know, sometimes there was, there was no food on the, in, in, in the house. And... You know, I, we didn't just sit around the table and, and close our eyes and said, thank you, Lord, for what we're about to receive. And our kids will remember, you know, we didn't do that and suddenly there was food on the table. You know, we, we, we sold what we had. There were times where I said, Lord, I, I need to put food on the table. And so I went to my garage and said, what can I sell on Gumtree? And I said, Lord, we need this tonight. And you know, God is faithful. But I still had to do something. I sold stuff, and that night somebody came and bought it, and it was the exact amount we needed, and food was on our table. And that just didn't happen once. It was some of us sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I'm trusting in the promise of God. I'm going to sit back and do what I need. You know, God's going to come through. But there's a responsibility that we have in trusting him to do what we can do and trust God to do what he can do and what we can't do. It wasn't long where we, where we where, where, um, because people owed us a lot of money. We owed people a lot of money from the business, and we were, the house was probably going to be taken. And so through listening to a bad report um, of people and, and maybe not good advice, but you know when you're desperate, you don't always listen with your, with your, with your heart. You listen with your head, and we, we got ourselves under debt review. And you know, debt review will lock you in for five years. And so, yeah, we were stuck in debt review um, struggling, it's a horrible place to be. And it wasn't through any fault of our own. We didn't cause this, but it happened. And we said, Lord, we want to be faithful through this. We still want to tithe. We want to give because we know these are kingdom principles. We, we have to do this. And yet even if I've sold something, we still tithe of that because, God, you're good and you provide. Maybe not in the way I'd like you to, but he still provided. And sometimes God provided in the last minute. So God' provision came through even in the times of difficulty, but we had to be faithful. We sold things we owned. I remember Kale's school fees. 
Um, Carol struggled with um, some learning disabilities and things like that, and we had to get him into a private school. And we went, and we've, we saw them, and, 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 and it was a Christian school. We didn't tell them our situation. And uh, the principal turned around, and she said, you know, I'm really feeling that I need to let Carol come to school for free. God provided an amazing. He said, you don't have to pay any school fees. He can come here for free. I mean, say, tell a trick. Okay, he didn't stay there to a trick, but he had free education. God says, you've been faithful with the little. You've been trusting me. And he opened up a way. We never asked. But then, then Abby needed to go to the school as well. And they said, and the, the private schools were expensive. We couldn't afford it. And she said, well, I'll let her pay normal school fees as, as a government school fee. I'll let her pay that because that's what we could afford. God is good, man. He's good. I want to encourage you. I'm getting emotional. But I, I've been there. I know what it's like to be stuck in the wilderness. But it's not there forever. But you know, it's the way that we approach the wilderness that determines how long we're going to stay there, actually. And that's what's important. Have a Caleb spirit. Caleb had a different spirit. There was a certain amount short every month, but by the faithfulness of God, and as we put his kingdom first, this was covered by the generosity of others. So even there were things we couldn't afford, but you know, there's something about being in the body of Christ and the family of God, that we care for one another. And you know, it's hard to ask, man, you, you're full of pride, you know. You, you're this business guy now. You've got to depend on other people. It's humbling. Those are one of the things the wilderness experience will teach us. It humbles us. It says, you're not it. You're not it. You've got to be dependent on the Lord. In our fourth year, God provided a way out of debt for us. And a policy paid out at just the right time and we managed to get out of debt. But, you know, I believe there were lessons that I learned for my family, for myself, that we learned as a family in that time of wilderness that has changed us for the rest of our lives. But I hate to think what would have happened if I didn't stay faithful. And it wasn't perfect all the time. We'd made mistakes. We, we lost hope. But God is faithful. And so as I move to a close, I want to look at a few lessons we can learn from Caleb's life and attitudes towards what was before him and in the midst of overwhelming opposition, he took the ground that was promised to him and those he led. The remarkable story of Caleb is a man who exhibited extraordinary courage and determination in his walk with God. Caleb's life is filled with valuable lessons that can inspire and guide us in our own journey of faith. We can learn from Caleb's unwavering commitment to the Lord. So if you're taking notes, the first lesson we can see is Caleb's trust in God's promises. And we find that in Numbers 24. Despite the, majority, the majority's fearful report, Caleb trusted in God's promise to give the land to the Israelites. When faced with daunting challenges or seemingly insurmountable obstacles, we must remember that our God is faithful to his promises. Hold on to those promises. Find out what those promises are. Read them. Know them. Believe them. Get those promises into your heart. Remind yourself of those promises, especially for those of you who've got prophetic words and people have encouraged you. Remind yourself this. Often when I'm feeling down and I've recorded prophetic words of my life, I sit back in my quiet time and I say, Lord, let this just wash over me again. Let it encourage me again. Let it, let it stir up belief in me again because, you know, it doesn't mean that once you go through the wilderness and you get into the promised land, you never have wilderness experiences. We're going to continue to have wilderness experiences, but also live in the promised land that God has for us. But those are lessons we've got to learn. 
Number two, Caleb stood firm in the, faith, in the face of opposition. 45 years later, listen to this, when it was time for Israelites to claim their inheritance, Caleb, now an old man, stood before Joshua and recounted how he wholly followed the Lord. Despite the giants and fortified cities that awaited them in the land, Caleb's determination remained unshaken. He reminds us that we too should stand firm in the convictions and trust in God's strength, even when circumstances of this fallen world opposes us. We all face these circumstances, but we need to remain faithful. This is what God has said, and we hold on to it. Number three, Caleb's perseverance and steadfastness. He faced countless trials and obstacles, yet his spirit remained unyielding. We can learn from Caleb's perseverance, continue to press forward in our faith's journey, even when the road gets tough. Number four, Caleb was wholeheartedly committed to God. He proclaimed, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said these 45 years, since the time the Lord spoke his word to Moses. Caleb's faith was not superficial or half-hearted. It was a sincere, unwavering commitment to the Lord. And we can learn from this. 45 years old, 40 years later, he's still saying, I want what you've promised me. I believe, God, you're going to give it to me. How many of us would be like that? I wouldn't be putting up my hand right now. You know, maybe a year or two, you've been trusting God for something and it hasn't materialized. Oh, what's the use? What's the point? But God is faithful. His timing is perfect. And the last one is my favorite one. Lesson number five. It says, Caleb embraced challenges as opportunities and finished strong. In the often long wait of God to fulfill his promises to us and in our lives, it's important to remind ourselves and each other of what, they, of what these promises are on a regular basis, especially for those of us who have received words. And that's why it's so important for us. You know, when, when, when you're in a meeting or the prophetic is active, and we love that in Josh Jen, I know many of you have received prophetic words over your life or words of encouragement. Somebody will send you something on a WhatsApp or you'll be in a meeting or some, God will say something to you as you in your quiet time. And, you know, we need to be close with one another, you know. You can imagine Caleb and Joshua in the land of, of coming out of the land and they come back and they're encouraging one another. God, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Are you coming alongside? Adam spoke last week about preparing relationships in advance for tough times to come. And so are we pulling close to each other like Joshua and Caleb and telling each other, remember what the Lord said to you. Remember when your friends are down, when they're downcast, they're, oh, it's not. but remember what was prophesied. Remember the promises of God. We need to be encouraged. We need to know one another. It says build one another up in your faith. It's not just something we do once in a while over, over WhatsApp. We need to be intentional in doing it. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him the word again that was in my heart. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he has said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am this day 85 years old, and I am still, I love this, man, I am still as strong today as I was in that day. Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now, 
Give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there, the great fortified cities. It may be the Lord that will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord has said. Isn't that encouraging? 85 years old. And he says, he didn't, he didn't just ask for, you know, this, this was the land where it says, and besides. Remember, we, we looked at and besides. There's these giants there. He asked for that land. He said, come on, I can still take it. I still believe in the promises. I'm still as strong in my faith as I, as I was then. I'm going to take the land. Lord, give it to me. He saw the challenge as an opportunity to prove God's faithfulness. Caleb's example teaches us to embrace challenges, viewing them as opportunities for God to demonstrate his power in our lives. Instead of being discouraged by difficult circumstances, let us approach them with faith, knowing that God can turn them into stepping stones and us growing in our faith and spiritual growth. So as I end, the life of Caleb teaches us powerful lessons in courage and determination. We're reminded to trust God's promises, stand firm in the face of opposition, embrace challenges as opportunities, persevere with steadfastness, and be wholehearted committed to God. As we reflect on Caleb's example, let us strive to incorporate these principles in our own lives, trusting that God will guide us, empower us to walk in his ways. May we, like Caleb, be known in our unwavering faith and courageous determination as we pursue the abundant life that God has for us. May we have a different spirit. May we have a different spirit. May that spirit be in us, deep inside of us, that no matter what we face, we say, God has got this. Amen? So my challenge is this to us tonight. Some of you are not even 40 years old yet. Have you given up on your dreams, the promises, the prophetic words God has given us, given you? Because it's taken too long. Have you listened to the bad report of your circumstances you faced and got stuck and gone round and round this mountain and never entering, entering into the promised land or the abundant life that God has for you? Whose report will you believe? It's time for us as a congregation to choose a Caleb spirit. Face your giants and enter in. Have you settled in the wilderness through unbelief and discouragement? The Israelites survived in the wilderness. They were meant to live in the promised land. You know, for some of us, we've, 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 we've got down to a place where we've just got a survival mentality. God has not called us to live in the wilderness. They were meant to survive in the wilderness, but they were meant to live in the promised land. Are you just surviving at the moment? Are you just grasping at the very little that's in front of you, thinking, oh, if only I can just survive another day. That's not God's end for you. And yes, there may be wilderness experiences that God is taking you through, and you've got to make some choices. You've got to exercise some faith. You've got to exercise some faithfulness that will get you to the end of it. But you don't want to be in a place where you're going round and round and round because you're not learning the lessons that God is, is trying to teach you. Pass your tests quickly. The key is faithfulness and obedience to what God has called you to and through. The wilderness is a dangerous place. It's a place of the unknown where our focus needs to be on God and his instructions to getting us through so we can get to where he wants us to be. We need to stay focused on him. And so I don't know if that's you tonight. I don't know if you are sitting in a place and you've been wandering around in the wilderness 
Maybe it's of your own choice. Maybe it's through the choices of somebody else. Maybe it's just a circumstance that you find yourselves in. And you say, Lord, this is really tough. I want to encourage you. Have a Caleb spirit. God has got this. He's going to get us through this. And be quick to respond to God. Don't get negative. Don't give up. Don't settle for survival. God has got this. He's got the prom- The promised land is waiting for you. It might even be just a choice tonight. Maybe just to say, Lord, I, I, I haven't been faithful. I haven't believed. I haven't reminded myself of what you said. But tonight, I'm choosing to respond to you. I'm choosing to step in. You know, Basil and Shirley are our Joshua's in this congregation. They lead us. Will we be a Caleb spirit to them and this leadership team? Because they are leading us into the promises of God and the greater Josh Jen. So we are there here to support them, to be a Caleb to them. And when that man is feeling down, because he does feel down, he's not a superhero, he's human. Really? <laughs> it's hard to believe, Basil. It's hard to believe. But yes, he is. But let's blow wind into their sails. Let's say we can do it. We can go forward. Don't slip into negativity. Maybe things aren't the way that you expected it to be. Have a Caleb spirit. So I want to challenge us. And we're not going to do an altar call for that or anything. This is something that I really believe God wants to shift in our hearts. We need to shift our perspective. We need to shift something that's deep inside of us. But what I do want uh, to, to call is maybe you're sitting here tonight. And I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've never left Egypt in a sense. You're still living in slavery to sin and under the oppression of the enemy. You are still captive and you think you have no hope of freedom. I love this verse in Luke 14, verse 18 to 19. And Jesus says this, and this is for you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. And that the blind, even spiritually blind, will see. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And tonight the Lord's favor is in this place. And maybe as the worship team can come up or somebody can just play on the guitar. I want to give us an opportunity just to close our eyes. And if that's you tonight, if, if you have never come into the freedom of what God has for you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, even though it's a big mess, you know the beautiful thing is the only thing we can bring to Jesus is the mess. We can't clean it up enough. You know, They say you don't, you don't clean yourself up before you have a bath. You just come. And the invitation tonight, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, And this word is spoken to you. Say, Lord, I don't want to live in this wilderness. I don't want to live in Egypt anymore, in a sense. Life is too hard. I can't do this by myself. I need you. You know, the wonderful thing is that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. He died on that cross so that you'd be set free. And he died on that cross so that you and I could have a personal, living, real relationship with him. Not a religious one, but a real one. Where you talk to him and he talks to you. And he wants to set you free. And so, as we close our eyes, I would love to just give an opportunity. If that's you tonight and you want to say, Lord, here I am. I want to enter in. As we close our eyes, if there's anyone like that, I'd love to pray with you. And if you would be brave, would you just maybe just raise your hand? 